You are listening to the Gate 7 International Podcast, a podcast connecting Olympiacos fans from Melbourne to Baltimore, from London to Piraeus. We are four Olympiacos fans from every corner of the world, bringing you news and interviews of the team you love in English. With new episodes twice a week, you'll never lose the latest updates and stories of the team you love. This is our team, our city, and our land. You're listening to the Gate 7 International Podcast. Well, hello there, everybody. Welcome to the Gate 7 International Podcast, your official English source for all things Olympiakos FC and Greek football. You're listening to episode 117. My name is Peter Thompson. I'm here with my co-host, Adi Bulubasis. Olympiakos won a game, and we are very pissed off. Adi, how are you feeling? This is how I'm feeling, Peter. You know what, mate? I don't want to... Yeah, I might. I'm maybe I'll do it off camera so it doesn't look as bad. I don't want to seem like I'm an alcoholic, but I've got a handle of vodka in the fridge that I might just chug because that was. I, I got to tell you what. So I didn't watch the Ionikos game. Uh, I was busy. I've been away from the pot actually for a couple of weeks. It's been a, a busy, busy with school, getting back in swing. But I forgot how shit these goddamn league games were, man. Um, so I wanted to gouge my eyes out. Like this, the football was just so poor. Um, I could not care less about winning, getting the result. I mean, well, obviously it's nice we get the result, but like it doesn't mean anything to me in terms of how we played. Like this was atrocious, just just so bad. I don't even know like where to start or what to like the narratives are. Like just nobody really played all that well. Like we as a team, you know, you can look at any stat you want. They had the ball way more than they should have. They got way more many way more chances than they should have. We did nothing when we had the ball. We couldn't hold on. We couldn't string three passes together to save our lives. It was awful. Every, like, yeah, I mean, we can, maybe I'll go into rants about specific players in in a bit, but, like, in reality, like, everyone is just horrible. Everything was was god-awful today. We were lucky enough to score, like, the only chances we got the entire game. Congratulations. Yep. You're absolutely right, Peter. And, uh, you know, before maybe before we get into the rants, we'll get into some housekeeping first, ah, get that yeah, stuff out of the way that, so I? we can be free and in the clear. Uh, Stefano or Fetano, sorry. No Uzo, buddy. That's that's Costa. I don't Fetanos, do I've got to be honest with you, mate. I, I can't stomach. I um, had it a, when I was in Maryland. They had it once and I like ripped a shot of it and I was. Never again. I'll just say that much. So yeah, no Uzo for me personally. Um, I'm 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 not that Greek. Let's just say, can't yeah, can't exactly. can't put that stuff down. Well, let's jump into the housekeeping real quick, guys. Congratulate Olympiacos DC. They got another win uh, against Maryland An United. Actual good them. team. <laughs> Four to one. Someone named Olympiacos win. knows how to actually play football. What the hell? Yep, and they've anyway, been playing. Congratulations they've been playing to Olympiacos well. DC. Philip, Philip is doing a great job out there. He is. Philip's doing fantastic work with the boys. They look great. The the loss, the one nothing loss against the team that beat them in the division finals, was a tough one, but they look good. I really believe they can repeat for the fall season. 
So fantastic work from the boys. I, I will continue to hope and wish them well. And I am going definitely to more games. It was a blast when I went out there a couple weeks ago. Couldn't make it yesterday, but I am definitely trying for next week. I'm so uh, jealous you get to go, Adi. I'm stuck oh yeah. here. It's, it'd, it'd be a long drive for me to make it down there, let's just say. So maybe it maybe one be. day I'll get to catch a game. But if you're in the area, DMV, Maryland, D.C., Virginia, um, you want to watch a team named Olympiacos without actually wanting to jump off the stands, Olympiacos D.C. is your squad. Give them a look. You can also watch online. Is it Facebook, Adi, or is it their website where you can stream all the games live for free? It's uh, well, we post the links every week. It's on 11sports.com. They're all free. We post them before the game, but you can check out libiacosdc.com and they will always have the links up. There you there. go. There you uh, go. And as always, guys, it is a HEPA season. If you are looking to get involved with some philanthropy, uh, helping out the motherland in any way you wish to, or just meeting other Greeks. Check out your local AHEPA chapter. Go to ahepa.org to find out where your local chapters are and see how you can get involved. Lastly, thank you to our sponsor, Piraeus International. Piraeus International is your one-stop shop for all your international trans-shipping needs. Whether you're shipping olive oil, packages, cars, or relocating entirely, Piraeus International is here to help. Please give our friends a call at 410-675-4696 or email them at sales at piraeusintl.com and see how they can help you today all right peter well now let, let's just, just you know what just let's just get into it because this the the free agent window ended on this past friday we brought in gary rodriguez because clearly we were not happy with the options that were currently available we needed more reinforcements so we bring in gary rodriguez for specifically for greece for now he cannot be put on the european list until uh, the winter transfer went until January, assuming we make it into the next round of the knockout competition or for, for Europa League or European Conference League, whatever it is. Now, the the problem is Lombro, Lombro and I talked about post-match on Thursday that this could have been a turning point for the club. And we hoped that maybe the win would get us moving. You guys were so optimistic. We were, we were, we were, and now we watch this game and, oh, this is one of the ugliest wins. It was a turning point for the worse. Yeah. I mean, I have to say at, at, at halftime when we were winning two nothing, I mean, I said in our group chat, I was like, this is the ugliest two nothing. This is super ugly. I mean, we did not deserve to be up to nothing. We were fortunate that we finished our only two chances, but man, did we look bad. And if anything, it's funny because, um, like I said, I didn't watch the Ionicos game, but like the, the the big story there was like we weren't putting our chances away, right? And and that's been the big story for this team for a while. And a lot of these games, whether it's Europe or a frustrating one one draw in Greece, um, oh, was that Thromitos? Fucking hell, I don't even know anymore. Um, it was a Thromitos, yes. You get what I'm saying, guys. I'm sorry, I've been I've been really busy with school and stuff. But anyway, um, like. The story the whole time is like we can't get chances, and like today we get absolutely bailed out by um, I Buhavakis's gold. I believe took a deflection. Is that right? Um, yeah. And um, goodness uh, me, I, I mean, can't. Even, was, oh yes, he say scores the header. Like yeah, yeah. It was still a decent shot by Buhavakis. It was. But, it was. Yeah. But we were relying on first of all a set piece, set piece header from Cisse. Um, We don't score many off of set pieces recently. 
And then that Bukalaki shot was pretty far. That's a very low XG shot. If we replay this game yeah. probably 10 times, we don't score the we don't score two goals. In and it's still game. like we want consistent goals from the attackers. I get Al Arabi is not in the team today, but um I mean Adi, like we're gonna do the you're gonna do the Gary Rodriguez deep dive later. So I don't wanna like you know, talk too much about Gary Rodriguez, but like, we know, you know, there was the whole joke of last year with the Gary Rodriguez saga and Labro was like very, very much not wanting him. And it just seems like the club we needed, let's say we needed one big winger, like a Podence type player to come in and just be a game changer. And instead that we went and bought three bang average wingers that aren't like, we just, we, we, we said, instead of one player, let's get one, one good player. Let's get three average players. It's it's uh, it's very sad, and the attackers we're still wondering where their goals are going to come from. Maybe it'll just take some time. Who knows? I said Kenny Lala was going to take some time for like the last year, and look where that got us. So I'm a bit less optimistic. I've been burned before, as they say. Um, so it's it's you have to look at that, and it's just really disappointing to see how some of these wingers have turned out. Um, and yeah, I mean, like, I am not taking anything from this result because like you said, like, this doesn't seem, this is a team that has just been struggling to get goals. And this is quite clearly a trend that we can't expect to repeat, you know, it's, it's, yep. and this is against La Mia. Exactly. And this was something Lambert and I talked about on Thursday. It's when you're discussing, you know, oh, okay, maybe like with the Atromidos game, right? Sure, we drew that game, but there were positive signs because we were creating chances here and there. It was the finishing that was the problem. Right. In this game today, this is the type of stuff we were talking about should irritate you because we weren't making a lot of chances. I mean, hell, when we got beyond half field. What did we do? Were we even building? Were we even making nice build up? No, it was poor. That goal that La Mia scored, I, that was I can't. That was nice. Better than anything we did today. I don't see. Anything today? When have we played that we could have offered something like that? So <laughs> yeah, far? you're right. Amazing. No, you're you're absolutely right. <laughs> Fucking hell. Even against yeah. Nefchi, we didn't see stuff like that very often. Which is no, and it's it's sad, and it's Nefchi. not good. It's not good at all. And the 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 thing the thing is, well, you know what? Let's 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 take it back a little bit. When you saw the lineup, when you saw the lineup, uh, when we posted the lineup uh, pre match. Were you concerned at all when you saw the lineup, or did you like it when you saw it? I just I don't really know about Valbuena and Agibu Kamara playing together in a team. That was really like a bit of a surprise for me um, because I I you know yeah it just doesn't really work. I, I don't think those two together they they don't sort of occupy the right spaces when they're playing together. Um, like the back four, as much as it's maybe not perfect, it's it's what I would expect. Yanam Vila is injured, so maybe it, maybe that's why Martins went with the midfield too. Although I would have much rather wanted to see maybe Kunde in there, but that's whatever. So yeah, I mean, I um, I wasn't really a big fan of that to be honest. And Henry Oniakuru, I get there's not many options on the wing, but um, this guy who's supposed to be getting out in the break when we're countering against teams, why are we putting him in against a team? when we're expected to possess so much of the ball. Uh, not that there are a lot of better options right now, because this is the way things are for Olympiacos at the wing position. But um, yeah, mostly some of those decisions up front really didn't make a lot of sense to me, but 
yeah, I, there's not a lot of other options either. Well, the, the thing for me was I got excited when I saw that on paper. Okay, here we go. Four, two, three, one, four, two, three, one's coming back that I was excited about, but Valbuena at the 10, I'm, you know, I'm not so excited about for a couple of reasons. One, I don't like that. We continue to rely on a 37 year old to be our, our vehicle for the offense. Uh, I was okay with the double pivot of Madi Bukhalakis, especially given Nabil was hurt, but I would have preferred seeing Kunde. The performances we've seen from Kunde and what he offers us in terms of his nonstop running ability, his ability to get the ball forward, and his ability to press high, I thought was necessary. And I thought it was something that we should have had to, to put pressure on Lamia. Also, Bukhalakis is playing a lot, man. He's been playing a lot of minutes. I, I thought this was a good opportunity for him to get a little bit of a break. Um, I saw Onyakuru on the right, and I was a little bit weirded out by it because we know that he's much more effective on the left, and Agibu on the left instead. And I, I didn't really know what to make of it. But I said, you know what? Let's see what happens. Of course, the game rolls on. Onyakuru was pretty much invisible on the right. And to his credit, though, when we flipped him back to the left at halftime, then Agibu kind of became invisible. We have a problem on that right side. Regardless of what's going on with the right backs, you know, that situation, our right side is very much defunct currently. And this is reflected very much in, in the XG when it comes to when it comes to uh, we'll say XG creation from each side of of the field, our left side is producing double more than double what the right what the right side of uh, our field is is producing. Look, take a look at the just like the games the last couple of games we played so far the Antwerp matches uh, or the Antwerp match I should say Atromidos. You know we have more attacks coming from the left and the the xg resulting from those is better 14 attacks against antwerp versus 11 from the right uh, so 14 on the left 11 from the right and then in the atromidos game it was the same the 16 different attacks coming from the left side uh and the xg was over twice as high so we're creating more and there's just more happening there we need to fix something on this right side. And I, there's so many things involved. Maybe the fact that we don't actually have a, a right winger besides maybe Vrusai that can do it. Ronnie Lopez I, inside uh, winger. Ronnie, well, that he was supposed to be, right? Yeah. And yeah. now one thing, one thing that's definitely the case, and I just saw a comment uh, that hit hits the nail on the head here uh, from Mitsaras 87A. Masuras is missing a lot. He gives very much to this to the team that also doesn't show up in the statistics. It very much does show up in the statistics, I promise you. And when he plays on the right side, at the very least, he goes and he plays crosses. Look, Masuras isn't the fanciest guy, but he's wasn't effective. he on the bench today? Uh, he was, but he still he yeah, still yeah, yeah. is uh, could have seen him uh, for ten minutes. And I'm gonna get into this. I don't know if I necessarily agree with this comment uh, from Vascor. Gary's gonna fix the right side trouble. I don't know about that, but we'll get into that later. Um, there's there's just so much there's just so much going on that is 
that we should say isn't going well right now in for this game. And you see what was happening. Our midfield, again, looked disjointed. We didn't have much going forward, just the, the occasional set piece. Um, you know, we were very fortunate to get that go-ahead goal from Bukalakis as well. Uh, played in from Agibu, but it was pretty far outside. And then aside from that, what did we do? You know, yeah. Lamia made more chances than we did and probably better. I wouldn't be surprised if our XG doesn't even hit one uh, when we see the opportunities I that agree. we actually made. So and Lamia's being... probably will be over one, wouldn't you say? It, I mean, just, I think it will. Like the I goal they scored, will. just from the perspective of the shot, that's that goal on its own has to be absolutely like point seven, right? Like it's got to be a good XG. I don't know if it's that high, but it's probably. And then closer. what about that uh, chance from from the fifty year old Lucas Vidra, like right yeah, next that to whiffed. the goal? Yeah, that's got to yeah, be yeah. a decent XG as well. If it like obviously the XG formula doesn't know it's like a fifty year old man, but yep. And then the. Costa brought up the post-match comments right before we went live about uh, with Martin saying that something about the dimensions of the field played a part in our. Uh, Does anyone remember how this today. fixture went last year in the rain? Yeah. Would remember this game? It was like the the it was like playing in a pond, and we still won six nothing. Well, that was the team. That was the last year's team that had trouble creating chances in the beginning yes. of the year, and. We remember we didn't score a goal in the first half for like the entire first half of the season. And we, we, we beat this team six, nothing on this pitch. Yep. Well, Peter, then let me ask you a question, right? So the big question from this, and it's alluded to in the, in the title for this episode that we pushed out before we went live. Should we, should we be worried? Are you worried? Hell yeah, I'm worried. Or is this, is this just something? Maybe it's a bad performance. Uh, maybe some, you know, coming back from that, the we'll say the 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 honeymoon period ended from that big Antwerp win. We're coming back, kind of things come down to earth, and maybe they pick up for the cup game midweek. Or are you actually worried fundamentally about what's going on with this team? I mean, I've been worried since Ludogorets, man. I know, like you know, at that point in the season, it was maybe a bit earlier, and you could say oh, well, you know, things are going to figure themselves out. We still have time to make transfers. And, but, and, you know, I was still worried at that point. And I was worried after the second leg of Bratislava when we were all very upset and it was a bit more real and I'm still worried and now I'm more worried. And, and it's almost translating in from being worried, like being worried implies that you, you are anticipating something in the future. You know, like I'm, I'm worried because I, I fear that something bad is going to happen in the future. And it's, it's almost less of that for me. And now I'm just like, I'm not worried. I'm just like disappointed. Like this is, this team is shit. And, and, you know, we've had all this time to get better. And, you know, we, we said, oh, it's, it's fine. It'll be fine. You know, uh, in, in September, it'll be all right. We'll bring transfers in. And uh, that didn't happen. I know to be fair, like the Super League started late and that did, definitely didn't help us. But yeah, I very much am worried. Uh, at this point, I just don't have very high expectations for the team at this point. So that that's another reason maybe worried isn't even the best word. Like I just don't, I'm, yeah, I'm worried we're not, we're going to be in Europa Conference League because we're going to finish third in our uh, UEL group. I, I guess, yeah, I would say that. Like I'm worried we're, we might not win the league at this rate, to be honest with you, um, it'll probably pick up, but 
Yeah, I am very worried. What about you? Yeah, a uh, quick hello from uh, our good friend Chris Wheatley. Uh, you guys may recognize him. Uh, those of you that aren't may be big Arsenal fans uh, for chief cover of Arsenal. I think that's what it is. Chief reporter on Arsenal for Football London. Uh, guest on the pod before. Uh, also a fan of Greek soccer. Chris, welcome. Uh, glad to have you in here. Um, but yeah, Peter, I'm worried because I see the same patterns and they haven't been addressed. I exactly. thought maybe the Atromidos game was a sign that, no, there was something else there and we haven't been seeing the team do its full potential. But the Antwerp game, as happy as I was that we won the game, I thought Antwerp deserved to win that game. And the statistics back that up in a manner of speaking because they had a higher XG than we did. They made more chances than we did. Um, they had a similar number of attacks in open play that we did too, but they were way more efficient in terms of the conversions. Mm -hmm. They were better winning the ball uh, than we were. It's just, and and that's the, these are the things that are carrying over from the summer that I didn't, I was hoping we wouldn't see anymore. And this is what's troubling for me. Now, am I worried that this team is going to be dog shit? We're going to start dropping games in Greece. I don't think I'm there yet. Not quite yet. But I am worried because, especially for our European campaign, so because we got by with Antwerp, which we have to say Antwerp is not a great team. From what we saw, I was not. They're, they're expected. They're probably going to finish fourth. Right. Exactly. Yeah. That's, what I, that's what I'm taking away from this. But I, did you, if any of you watched that Fenerbahce-Frankfurt game, uh, if we play like this, we're going to get clowned by both of those teams. Absolutely. To be yeah. perfectly honest with you. Yeah. Right now I like it's watching games like this almost makes me forget about the Olympiacos. And I, I know it's a bit maybe reactionary, but it's, I almost forget about the good Olympiacos of, of previous years in Europe, like that have had all these nice performances. Um, and yeah, I, I watched this. I I know you said, Adi, you weren't really that worried about dropping games in Greece, but like, we might not win the league. I'm just going to say we've played two. I, it's obviously going to get better, but we've played two small clubs that are expected to finish at the bottom of the table. We drew one and we probably should have drawn or lost today. Um, so, yeah, I... Uh, I could honestly see a world where we don't win the league this year. Gonna, I could see, a, especially like, yeah, things if things really take a nosedive, fall off. It's uh, it's hard to say. And then for Europe, like you said, Adi, Fenerbahce and Frankfurt, they drew when they played each other. It looks like a very, uh, a, a, just a level above what we've seen from Olympiacos this year. Like yep. we play, uh, we play Fenerbahce in like ten days. I mean, I don't think I. I we're going to need prayers. We're going to need the Lord above to shine down on Olympiacos to have a chance to win that game because we, you can't fix what's going on in the pitch right now in 10 days. Like it just seems right. I'm watching this team and it seems so far removed from where we wanted it to be from where we've been in the past formation, regardless, regardless of who's playing, regardless of who the other team is. Um, there's just no connectivity in the squad right now. And it's just, yeah, it's like this, these types of issues are going to take a long time to fix. At least that's the way it seems to me. Um, and we don't necessarily have a long time because, you know, soon enough, we're going to be in a hole in Europa League that we're not going to be able to dig our way out of. Um, but yeah, 
Um, that's my thought about that. I'll, I'll address a quick question here that I see in the comments. Uh, uh, Tomika Nike, what has Lala done to not play? Did he torture abandoned puppies? Uh, no, guys, look, we've been, um, for those that maybe weren't quite as aware, we had talked about Lala seemed like one of the players that was singled out by Marinaki for not seeming like he cared enough on the pitch. And we had seen a couple performances of his that were, we'll say, subpar, so to speak, uh, at least offensively. So yeah. that could be a reason for that, that we haven't seen him. Um, uh, nothing sinister. It's just his he's not performing to the standard that is expected, and it's been a while. And even in the summer, I mean, yeah, you can make the argument that no one really has looked stellar, save for a couple um, in recent, you know, in the recent weeks, of course, Oleg and then Madi and guys like Mvila who always do at least their job. But that's more it. And uh, Karbovnik, uh, Karbovnik has just looked a little bit sharper considering he hasn't been with the team very long. So that that's more, in my opinion, why we're seeing that. Uh, but Peter, more to your point, uh, what kind of what you were talking about before, how, how much of what we're seeing do you believe is on Martins? Is Coach Martins losing the there plot go. here, or is it too early to say? Who would have thought we would be here? at this point in the season just can we just take a moment to like think about <sighs> i know F i see fetanos's comment as well he says love the optimism guys look it's it's not a it's not it's not a bright shiny day let's just say but um yeah adi i it's so weird to think about but i really think i i really am starting to question like what happened to martins he seems he seems to just be like deviating on some things and then maybe other things that you think he might, he maybe should change because of the new personnel we have. He's not changing and he's sticking to like some things that we didn't like in the past. Remember he, he built up for this three, four, three the whole time. And we haven't seen it like once all season or maybe once or twice all season long. Like it's just really weird from Martins. And, and I mean, it's, it's hard to imagine that, firing Martins right now and replacing him is actually going to get us in a position where we start doing better. Like, I don't, I don't necessarily think that's the case, but I think a lot of the issues right now we have to look and we have to say, these are coaching decisions that were made that are putting us in this position. So yes. And no, I guess for is Martins losing the plot. I'm, I'm more just, I'm, I'm amazed that, we, like I said, I'm amazed we even have to be entertaining this question. Like, remember after the Arsenal game when we lost and people were saying Martins out and we were like, guys, stop it. Martins is like good, everything, blah, blah, blah. And now, like, I'm genuinely like, what is it just maybe? Yeah, maybe it is some disconnect between Martins and the board or something like the transfers just flopped to some degree and are not really doing what they want. It just it's very weird. I, I never would have thought we'd have to be discussing Martins like this even. Well, look, for for me is I don't I don't necessarily think he's lost the plot not yet. I'm I'm more concerned that he's kind of outthinking himself. He's at a point That's a good where way to put it. 
Uh, and that's how that's kind of what I see. I see sometimes these like overhauls that he's made, uh, where in the past he had to do them out of necessity, versus now I think he's doing it more or less to just try something different. And I think he kind of just uh, needs to go back more to basics. So because and Blombro and I brought this up last week. In his first year, he was it was specifics it was details tinkering with details the set first the center mid pairing the center back pairing things like that uh wings on different sides here and there but he he would establish a core and then keep it and i think he's trying to do that now but at this point in time it's not necessarily working uh there's a couple of questions here uh, well, maybe not questions, but some comments, I think, uh, that uh, everyone seems to have their own idea of what they think is going on. Um, from Lex, uh, old school coaches would take the players at a hotel for a week or so to fix mentality issues. Um, Martins has been, until this current point, pretty good with addressing the mentality of the club. Uh, whatever's happening this season is unique to this season. We have always been a, uh, a mentally strong team, especially in the first two seasons. Uh, the, way, the way the team rallied when we were playing against the likes of Bayern Munich and Tottenham, despite uh, taking on a goal early here. Adis P, controlling the game and struggling to create, I could blame on the quality of the players. Having this much trouble to keep hold of the ball against La Mia, that's on Martins. I hope he fixes it soon. Very well I am said. more inclined to agree with this. Very 100%, well said. Yeah. Because Lampard and I discussed this as well. There is quality on this team. We have so much more depth than we've had in the past. The The issue is how are we going to get the best out of this talent? And, and that's Martins' we, job. And exactly. That is that is Martins' job. But then, do we have a buy option on Karbovnik? Every source we have spoken to has said yes. Uh, the Polish, the Polish journalists we have spoken to, uh, one that actually assisted in the deep dive also told us it's about an 8 million euro buyout. So everyone mm. has confirmed to us at least that there is a buyout. Adi, I want to point out as well, another comment from, uh, from Lex, I will, I will say, although is that, a, is that a C whatever, um, Martins isn't going anywhere as long as he's getting the three points, regardless of how attractive his football is or isn't. Um, I just want to clarify, like, first of all, I don't think Martin should be fired. As I said, like that doesn't fix the issues, but also we're not talking about attractive versus unattractive football. We're talking about um, sustainable results versus getting lucky and winning a game against Lamia. Just, just want to make that clear. Like Adi, I, I, I'm assuming you sort of feel the same way, like from an XG perspective, whatever you want to say, or just like from, it's not as much like, oh, it's unattractive football. Like I don't care as much about that, but it's like, I watched that game and I can say we didn't deserve to win. If that game replayed, we might lose. And then, you know, we're talking about, obviously then it's a results thing. So it's more just like, I'm looking at this and I don't see sustainability. Um, it's not as much about how attractive the ball is. The look, listen, football is a results business. It's a results based business. So Lex is right in in a manner of speaking because if he is getting raw results, then yes, he probably will keep his job. But I will include a caveat here. There was a certain coach about was it eight years ago, maybe eight, seven or eight years ago, that was undefeated in both European competition and in the league and still got the boot because we played unattractive football. 
I'm just going to throw that out there. And that was in the Muddy Nike era. So I, to an extent, I agree with this, but we have seen coaches get fired for much less. Now, I don't see him getting the boot at this point in time because, first of all, and people that I've seen online talking about Valverde coming in, he is never, guys, Ernesto Valverde will not come into this team if he does not have the ability to change players. That will never happen. Do you think any, well, I should say, do you think most of these players on this roster have the ability to do triangles, one, two, touch play, and press high? No, absolutely not. So that's not happening. And we will end up doing more damage to ourselves by firing him. So that's also never going to happen. But I, you know, if there are, there are things called professional wins, right? A professional win is when your team normally plays at a certain standard, plays a bad game, but still wins it. If you're not playing at a high level and you're kind of playing like that, then you play poor and nag a win. That's not necessarily a professional win. You get the job done, but the it, when we're looking at the long, the long term, we're looking ahead of us, right? And we're trying to discern what is and isn't conducive to this team producing results in the long term, we have to look at these underlying things because how often are we going to scrape by on luck and opportunity getting wins like this when we don't make enough opportunities? It does catch up. It will catch up with us. And that is the concern. We're not saying we're Peter and I aren't just sitting here trying, you know, talking and being Debbie downers uh, for the sake of. We're just saying for if we if this team wants to have the higher probability of success, there's things that need to be addressed. Otherwise, we can sit and play ugly ball and flip a coin and hope for the best, like Bonathina Costa with Bologna, if that's what you guys want. So, this comment from Fetanos has me uh, he's mentioned guys, Chelsea won the Champions League in 2012 with luck and bad football. This is our year. The only reason it's making me laugh is because every time I think about Chelsea winning the Champions League in that that season, I think about um, the Gary Neville when Fernando Torres scored that goal and he was like, "Oh, <laughs> like you know what I'm talking about?" And he like <laughs> like has an orgasm on screen. That's just like yeah, I can't yeah, yeah. I can't think of that without laughing. Um, but anyways, yeah, I mean we don't want to drone on about this uh, this game, obviously, but. Um, there was definitely some talk on the social media today. Fans are starting to get a bit uppity about Martins and, you know, we figured it would be something to chat about, but Adi, I mean, is there anything else before we go into man of the match and coaches grade? Let's, Let's do just it. do it. Let's, Let's do, do it. it. Men of- there is, I- there, there are two quick comments here that, uh, uh, I think also are valid. These are valid points. Um, uh, there's one here. Uh, one here from Adi's P. Also, the experimental preseason with six friendlies in the span of eight days was a bad idea. And the reasoning behind that, they didn't want the players to get bored from too much training, even worse. <laughs> I don't necessarily know if that the last part was a part of it. But yeah, we had a lot of injuries. And then when we trained all summer for a 4-4-2 lose to Kenyu, that did throw um, a little bit of, uh, uh, I should say, a, a, a wrench in things. Uh, then we have another one here from Yorgos uh, Karolanis. Uh, the team doesn't have fantasy for our attack. We don't have chemistry between the players. We don't create chances to the opponent goalkeeper, but we still do bad games. So let's wait and see. And 
if we're thinking with perspective the Atromiros game, yes, like we saw a game where we had a lot of opportunities but couldn't finish. And then in the game today, it was we had very little opportunities, but we did finish them. So we let's see what happens. Let's see what happens in uh, the long run uh, with that. Hopefully that this turns out to be just a, a bad game. And then we pick up from here. We're all going to hope for the best. But uh, back to the man of the match and coaches grade. Uh, man of the match is going to be tough for me. The CSA header that put us out in front really turn things around. But uh, I might end up because that second goal is what kept us up. So maybe I give it to Bukhalakis for that reason. Bukhalakis seems like an easy pick. Either that or Lambros Sirmos. Um, he was oh, very, yes. very good in helping us find streams for today as, as they kept going That's out. True. So Lavro, we do have to acknowledge uh, he put up a man of the match performance on, on the WhatsApp group today. Um, yeah. yeah, I will say... Uh, I guess Bukhalakis as well. It's really like I'm almost tempted to pinch just like the classic cop out when we all play like shit. Just pick Vachlik because yeah. like the goal I was it, it wasn't his fault. It was a point blank attempt that was very hard for him to save, and he did make a couple other saves. Not nothing outrageous, but like at least he didn't play bad. <laughs> yeah. So uh, you know, may, I'll I'll go with Bukhalakis though. Um, and then coach's grade. Um, yeah, I mean, like I think it was Adi's P at some point earlier today, like some of it is Martin's fault. Some of it is just the players being bad and not like, you know, at the end, at some point you just like the players have to be able to pass to each other. The players have to be able to to hold on to the ball and dribble without giving it up. So like, I'm not giving Martins an F today. Um, You know, there were certainly some things like the starting lineup. I I wasn't really a big fan of, but um, I'm a bit, yeah, I, I maybe, if anything, would have wanted to see Valbuena off the bench um, potentially today. I'll, I'll go with like a C plus. I don't really know. He didn't do anything, obviously didn't do anything very well today, but like he also, it wasn't like a disaster class for Martins. I almost, I actually feel like, Adi, you might be a bit more generous than me on the coach's grade, but I'll, I'll wait to hear what you think. Well, considering considering that the likes of uh, El Arabi, Masuras, and Envila were not available today, those are three really important pieces. Um, and it strains and, your lineup choice a bit. It does. It does strain your lineup choice, but that still doesn't excuse with some of the things that we saw, some of the choices that we saw. Uh, also, you know, a major concern is here we are. Rony Lopez is supposed to be able to play a 10, and we didn't trust him to, to do that. Uh, so it so, raises some red flags for me. Um, lineup, again, I, I said I had some of my doubts with the lineup but I was happy to see the 4-2-3-1 back, even though in play, I still, you know, and maybe it's just me, and maybe it's just this PTSD kicking in, but I swear when we were playing, I swear I was seeing that 4-4-2 coming out off the ball. I swear I was seeing our midfielder get stuck, Valbuena getting caught up way up the field with the striker, huge gap. I swear, I swear that's what was happening. I didn't see 4-2-3-1 big today. Anyway, I did like him switching Onyakuru back. Um, I did like some of those switches. I thought it worked. I did appreciate the Kunde sub for Valbuena, but then Kunde played higher up the field, which was all interesting. Yeah. Uh, interesting for me. I'm not sure. I, I, I think I understand the reasoning behind it, uh, but I'm not exactly sure how effective it was. Kunde should have been 
a little bit deeper. And we should have had somebody that was more 10-esque up there, even if it was Madi. But Madi was gassed. So uh, as far as far as the rest of the game, like not we can say that nothing that the changes that Martins made didn't have too many effects. So in the second half, because we still looked like crap in the second half. So I'm going with a C for a coaching grade. We didn't lose. So he does get points for that. There were some things that were good, but this, this, what he did ended up not working to make us look better and it didn't help us play better. And we almost, almost ended up losing points. So C for me. And I think that's a fair grade. All right. Well, Adi, next up, we've got a deep dive that we're going to finish off the podcast with. Gary Rodriguez, our free transfer, uh, the only free transfer that we've made in this window, or at least at the free transfer deadline, I should say. Um, new winger, potentially to come in and, and uh, be a game changer for us. Lambro's favorite player. Adi, what have you got for us on Gary Rodriguez? Well, Gary Rodriguez, everybody. You all should recognize him. He has played in the Super League before. He has been brought in as reinforcements because our winger, well, options need to be reinforced, uh, as we have all come to know. Uh, he's a Dutch-born Capa Verde international, so he does actually have a Dutch passport, which means he doesn't take up a non-EU slot, so that is very important. Profile. Uh Player profile is he's he's about average height. He's about 5'8", 173 centimeters. So he's not a, a huge guy. Um, in his weight, uh, he's also about 100, 156 pounds. So that's I forgot to write the kilos here. So sorry for the metric people, but uh, that's it's a good weight. It's a good weight height weight ratio. We like that. He's got a pretty solid build, uh, physical build. So we like that. His general player profile, he plays primarily as a left wing. So I saw some questions here about Gary being a Roni replacement or fixing our right side. He plays primarily on the left side of the field. He has played primarily on the left side of the field for the last two years. He can play right wing and he has played right wing, but not very often. Uh, He's a direct winger and an inverted winger. That's where the most value and the most that comes out of him is in that position. So, uh, and what I mean by a direct winger for those that maybe don't know is this, he's a guy that he, he gets the ball. He, he positions himself out wide, gets the ball, beats a defender. And if he has a chance for a shot, he's taking the shot. Otherwise he wants to play the ball in so that somebody else can take a shot directly. He's very direct. Uh, I'll say a faster version of Lazarus, uh, if, uh, the comparison helps, uh, give people a better image in their head. Uh, his preference is to play in stride with space in front um, or, you know, to use his speed. Uh, that's how he played with almost every touch in the Saudi league. Uh, for those of you that maybe are not familiar, he was playing in Saudi Arabia after he played in Turkey the season before for Fenerbahce. Um, he isn't a winger that likes to get heavily involved in buildup, not like Matthew Valbuena. Uh Valbuena, as you guys remember, or even and, and Fortunis, they're guys that they'll float around. They want to get involved. They want to help distribute and make stuff happen. So he's not going to do that. He's like an Onyakuru. He's going to sit out wide, and he wants the ball to be played to him. Uh, his stats the last couple of years. Uh, last year, he played 18 games, almost 1,200 minutes for Al-Itihad. Four goals, four assists, 
XG 3.5 expected assist two. Not bad, but not amazing either. The season before that for Turkey, he played uh, 29 games, totaling about 2,100 minutes. Four goals, six assists with an XG of eight and an expected assist of 5.26. So uh, probably should have had more goals than he did. Created a lot of opportunities there. Uh, they seem to like him decently well in Turkey. Uh, again, the stats aren't amazing, but they're okay. Um, in terms of the the specifics things that I noted when I watched the player, he does have speed. It's most notably in a single direction. He's not the most agile guy either, so don't look for crazy turn speed. Um, he's not going to be beating guys off the ball like that. He will use his speed. Has a little bit of flair, though. Uh, not to take that away from him. So he has a step over. Uh, he has a step over or two in him. He 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 actually can snake the ball quite well. So for those of you that don't know that terminology, snake is when you're you carry the ball with the inside of your heel, and then you quickly um, you quickly flick your toe to the to the right or to the left, depending on which foot it is, because uh, then it quickly changes the direction of the ball. He's done that and nutmeg quite a few people. It was interesting to watch. Uh, I think he can get away with that in Saudi Arabia, not probably not as much in Greece or definitely not in European competition. Touch seemed pretty heavy, at least in Saudi Arabia. Uh, but I did watch his games in Turkey and he did seem like a better ball player when he was playing in the Turkish league. I really believe that because he was in Saudi Arabia, he just thought he was better than the competition and took some liberties that I don't think he would normally take. Um, so that has its own caveats and maybe implications going forward. Like maybe he developed some bad habits. I don't know. Uh, we'll see how that works out. His uh, interplay seemed pretty poor to me, both in close and medium range. I didn't see him linking up well with a lot of guys, a lot of balls being played off target. His pass accuracy isn't super good either. Uh, the last couple seasons, it's like in mid seventies. I mean, it's not terrible for a winger, but it's just when you see some of these close medium range balls that he just completely whiffs, it's doesn't make you feel that good. Um, he, he does average about 30 touches a game, which, which is on the higher end for what we see a lot for wingers. Wingers not named Fortunis or Valbuena, I should say. But that volume is strongly correlated with how his team is possessing. If the team isn't possessing well, he's not going to have a lot of touches. He won't dictate the game like a Fortunis, a Fortunis or Valbuena. He's he's not going to come back and try to take the game. You know, he's he's going to wait for you to feed the ball to him. That's what we saw in Saudi Arabia. And you saw the same thing in Turkey as well. Uh, on the dribble, he's, he's pretty good. Uh, even in Turkey, he was high 50s in terms of his dribble success, over 60% in uh, Saudi Arabia. His success is coming with using his speed and sometimes a little bit of flair. So it could be fun to watch. Uh, now, the unfortunate side of that is in Saudi Arabia especially, he held on to the ball way too much on way too many occasions. I did not like that. Uh, people making runs and he was just sitting there trying to dribble and step over and beat people when he had players wide open. I was not a fan of that. Um, he didn't try that a lot in Turkey. That was mainly in Saudi Arabia, which leads me again to believe that he just didn't take that league seriously. Uh, he, I'm, We're not looking for a guy here that likes to track back a lot, or at least not what I could tell, which is weird because Martins really wants uh, a person that tracks back and, 
he's apparently been after him for two years and this guy doesn't really track back when he does. He's really poor closing players down. He's terrible in the air. I loose balls. He doesn't win a lot. He kind of prefers to go in and fall and maybe draw a foul. That's what I saw a lot, especially in, in Saudi Arabia. Uh, even in Turkey, it wasn't that much different to be honest with you. Uh, crossing volume is about on par with the wingers we have. Uh, his accuracy isn't good though. Uh, I mean, we're below 30%. Uh, he, he's not skying stuff like Rebchuk was doing, you know, before the last couple of weeks. Uh, he, but he does get stuff in the general vicinity, which I guess is as good we, as we can hope for. Uh, and to sum it all up, uh, the, the value in this player is going to be in his speed and his ability in stride. Maybe he can produce a little bit of magic with one of his fun little moves on a defender before he can whip a shot in. Uh, that's where that's where I see his value as a player coming in, not with interplay, not with coming back and defending, um, but in trying to get draw an extra defender and create space in the opposing third. So uh, in the end, would I have made this transfer? He was a free transfer, so we have to take that into perspective, but we're paying him apparently a 1 million euro salary per year plus bonuses. I think we're overpaying. Our uh, wages what, are so fucked, I feel. Like, not just, I don't I think like they're super bad because we're not paying a lot of transfer fees. So that that's that's true, yeah. but like there's so many I guess maybe it's just like unprecedented numbers for Olympiacos because we've been buying a lot of players and free transfers. But anyway, Adi, I mean like one one question I had, I'm gonna try to be optimistic about Gary Rodriguez because we've given him some crap on the pod before and maybe he can be the player who can have that end product for us. I'm trying to trying to be a little bit less uh, cynical here, but like one thing you mentioned that stu stuck out to me is like, he's not the type of winger to get involved in build up, And, and you, like you sort of said, you know, sim in that sense, he's similar to Henry and that, that kind of disappointed me. Like, I don't know if it's, I would want, I, it seems like what we need for this team is a winger who is willing to get involved in build up and not just sort of like wait for other people to do it for him. Cause we, you know, as a team right now, we're not really that coherent. Like we need someone to maybe come in and be a little bit more involved and link up with other players and stuff, as opposed to like just letting other people do it. I don't know. Like what, what do you think about that? Does that, do you agree? Or do you think it's not really as big of a concern? Look, this doesn't mean anything. If Rony Lopez remembers how to fucking play soccer or football, I should sure, say, sure. because if Rony Lopez, the Rony Lopez that we're expecting that we were expecting shows up to play, Gary Rodriguez isn't going to mean much. I'll be honest with you guys. It, <laughs> right. Uh, because Roni has way more upside than Gary does. Now, again, I don't want to sound super negative on Gary because he does, he, he did a job in Greece before, and I think he'll do, he'll provide at least something for us in Greece. Uh, I, I, I don't believe everything I saw in Saudi Arabia is indicative of what he can offer because I think because of the nature and the poor quality of that league, I think he took a lot of things for granted. And I think he took a lot of liberties. I don't think he's going to do the same thing here uh, because when you watch him play in Turkey, he looked like a, a more professional footballer. He looked better, a little bit smoother playing the ball, not trying to needlessly dribble as much. Uh, that's what I, that's what I noticed, or at least that's what I was pulling together when I was watching and I'm really glad I went back and watched some of that additional footage in Turkey because it made me feel a little bit more positive about him as a player. So again, look, I, I'm not going to be super negative because I don't think he'll be useless. But if Roni Lopez 
turns a corner, loses some weight maybe, or gets fit and starts playing like we know he can, this isn't going to matter as much. Uh, but at the very least, yeah. in Greece, I think he can do something. Yeah, and the, and it's still early for Ronnie Lopez as well. That's certainly a possibility. Like, <laughs> I see some people like Gary is Ronnie's replacement in the chat, and it's like, I mean, he's been here for like two weeks. But anyway, um, yeah, Adi, I think that about wraps up for us for today. Thank you for the wonderful deep dive yet again. Very well done. Um, so, yeah, that's going to be about it for us, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in, especially if you've made it this far. Make sure to like, subscribe, comment if you're watching on YouTube. Or if you're not watching on YouTube, subscribe to us on YouTube because we're on YouTube as well. You get to see our beautiful faces and uh, you get to comment in the live chat. If you're here in the live streams, it's a great time. We have lots of fun. Uh, listen, you know, yeah, share, tell your friends as well. If you enjoyed, we talk, you know, we're not going to sit here and hide when the team is playing poorly. We're always going to be here to chat after the game if you're upset. Um, you know, we'll see what happens. But uh, yeah. Thank you, everybody. We'll be back. We have, what is it, Apollon Smirnis in the midweek, Adi, next week. Uh, I think it's a, a fairly early game for us on the uh, on, on our side of the Atlantic. But um, either way, we will be there to talk about that game. Hopefully it goes a bit better. We've got more European football back next week. So looking forward to all of that. But until then, everybody, thank you so much. Have a great rest of your day, and we will see you very soon. You just listened to an episode of the Gate 7 International Podcast, a podcast connecting Olympiacos fans from Brussels to Tokyo, from Toronto to Geneva. We are four Olympiacos fans from every corner of the world, bringing you news and interviews of the team you love in English. With new episodes twice a week, you will never miss out on the latest updates and stories of the team you love. If you liked what you heard, make sure to follow us on social media at Gate7INTL, Give us a subscribe on YouTube or even leave a review on all our podcast channels. Until next time, this is our team, our city and our story. Thrilos, he said. Sto mialo kati magikoa.